Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on Labor Day. The show is brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. You can give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We got a terrific show for you today on Labor Day. More about that in just a few moments. We're going to visit with Mark Schulman about current global affairs. And Linda Harden will be joining us, of course, my wife as well. It is Labor Day. It's September the 5th. And on this day in 1774, in response to the British Parliament's enactment of the Coercive Acts in the American colonies, the first session of the Continental Congress was convened at Carpenter's Hall in Philadelphia. 56 delegates from all the colonies except Georgia drafted a Declaration of Rights and Grievances and elected Virginian Peyton Randolph as the first president of the Congress. uh, Patrick Henry, George Washington, John Adams, and John Jay were among the delegates. The first major American opposition to British policy came in 1765 after Parliament passed the Stamp Act, a taxation measure designed to raise revenues for the standard British Army in America. Under the argument, no taxation without representation, colonists convened the Stamp Act Congress in October 1765 to vocalize their opposition to the tax. With this enactment in in, uh, November, most colonists called for a boycott of British goods and some organized attacks on the custom houses and homes of tax collectors. After months of protests in the colonies, Parliament voted to repeal the Stamp Act in uh, March 1766. Most colonists continued to quietly accept British rule under Parliament's enactment of the Tea Act in 1773, a bill designed to save the faltering East India Company by greatly lowering its tea tax and granting it a monopoly on the American tea trade. The low tax allowed the East India Company to undercut even tea smuggled in from America by Dutch traders, and many colonists viewed the act as another example of taxation tyranny. In response, military patriots in Massachusetts organized the Boston Tea Party, of course, happened in Boston Harbor. A parliament outraged by the uh, Boston Tea Party and other blatant acts of destruction of British property, uh, property enacted the Coercive Acts, also known as the Intolerable Acts, in 1774. The Coercive Acts closed Boston to merchant shipping, established formal British military rule in Massachusetts, made British officials immune to criminal prosecution in America, and required colonists to quarter British troops. Can you imagine? The colonists subsequently called the First Continental Congress to consider united American resistance to the British. Without the colonies watching intently, British, uh, Massachusetts led the resistance to the British, forming a shadow revolutionary government and establishing militias to resist the increasing British military presence across the colony. In April 1775, Thomas Gage, the British governor of Massachusetts, ordered British troops to march to Concord, Massachusetts, where a Patriot arsenal was known to be located. On April the 19th, 1775, the British regulars encountered a group of American militiamen at Lexington. The first shots of American Revolution were fired, known as the shot heard around the world. More than a year later, on July 4th, 1776, the Second Continental Congress 
officially adopted, adopted the Declaration of Independence. Five years later, in October 1781, British General Charles Lord Cornwallis surrendered to the American and French forces at Yorktown, Virginia, being, bringing an end to the last major battle of the Revolution. With the signing of the Treaty of Paris with British in Britain in 1783, the United States formally became a free and independent nation. Hard to imagine during the Revolutionary War that there's only about a third of the people that were actually behind the whole notion of independence. Another third were loyal to the king, and another third, typically in society, had no idea what was going on. But that's the story, and uh, just an amazing story indeed. Well, as of Sunday morning, there are 303 delayed flights in or out of the United States and 51 cancellations. There are also more than 3,600 delays and 145 cancellations on Saturday alone. These delays came as the American Automobile Association forecast about 32% of Americans traveling on Labor Day weekend. The Federation predicts that they'll be the busiest Labor Day weekend in three years, uh, reaching pre-pandemic status. Pretty amazing. So if you're someplace safe and you didn't miss a flight, uh, good, that's great, because a lot of people are terribly inconvenienced over this holiday weekend. <clears throat> well, the parents of uh, Newsom's wife, Kenneth Siebel and Judith Siebel, became Florida residents in 2020. They purchased a, uh, purchased a home for $3.3 million in Naples. Gavin Newsom, I want to formally welcome your in-laws to my district in the beautiful, lower-taxed, safer, and freedom-loving city of Naples. If you ever come down to, for a visit, take notes about how you're supposed to run a state, said Representative Byron Donalds. He said Governor uh, DeSantis has the blueprint. The Siebel Family Trust contributed to the PAC associated with the DeSantis earlier in 2022. The Friends of Ron DeSantis website shows that Siebel Family Revocable Trust Contributed $5,000 on April the 6th. Well done, uh, Representative Byron Donalds. Uh, but it's just kind of ironic, isn't it, that Gavin Newsom's in-laws moved to Naples, the land of the free. Well, this is a piece written by Larry Reed. Larry's a regular guest on the show. He's the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. He wrote this piece Several years ago, uh, I, I just really appreciate it. It's very thought-provoking, so I'm going to read it to you. From Mexico to the South, this is now, Don't Forget to Celebrate Capital on Labor Day. From Mexico to the South and everywhere in between, Labor Day falls on May the 1st each year. In Canada and the United States, it's always the first Monday of September, which is 2022. Of course, means today, September the 5th. Over the past century, the holiday's purpose and meaning has changed somewhat. Early in the history, it was advocates who used the day to push for better working conditions, higher pay, and greater bargaining and political power for unions. Some of those things may be good in the abstract, but they're not without their costs in reality, often in the form of fewer jobs, higher prices, economic slowdowns, and forced union membership. In more recent decades, Labor Day has come to mean a little more than a nebulous celebration of work and an extra day without having to do it. This much is indisputable and non-political. Labor is essential to our standard of living. We don't live in a Garden of Eden, so if we all quit working, most of us would starve to death within a matter of weeks or months. Labor is ennobling because it's important. Uh, it's a port source of such values as self-esteem, personal fulfillment, responsibility, accomplishment, and voluntary cooperation. 
It's both a vehicle and an outlet for our talents and ambitions. Good parents instinctively teach their children that work is a virtue and a benefit, while idleness and laziness are to be avoided. But all that could be <clears throat> also said of another vital ingredient in our standard of living, capital. Most of it would starve without it. Creating and then deploying it to increase material wealth is ennobling just as much as labor is. And for the same reasons, the creator and user of, uh, of capital is furthering his talents and ambitions in the process. And every parent who tells his child to mow the lawn and hopes that he'll do it with a piece of capital equipment like a lawnmower instead of his teeth... Any good economist will tell you that as factors of production, labor and capital are also only indispensable but hugely dependent upon one another as well. Capital can refer to either the tools of production or the funds, principally from savings, that finance them. It ought to be abundantly clear that vast improvement in standard of living over the past century are not explained by physical labor alone. We actually do less of that, but rather by the application of capital. Capital without labor means machines without no operators or financial resources without the manpower to invest in them. Labor will always, without capital, looks like Haiti or North Korea. Plenty of people working, but uh, doing it with sticks instead of bulldozers or starting a small enterprise with pocket change instead of a bank loan. There could be no place in the world where there's a persistent shortage of labor, but every rich inch of the planet is always short of capital. There is no worker who couldn't come more, become more productive and better himself in society in the process if he had more powerful labor-saving machine or a little more venture capital behind him. This is not class warfare. Larry says, hey, I'm not taking sides on this between capital and labor. I don't see this as a natural antagonist despite some people's attempts to make them so. Don't think of capital as something possessed and deployed only by bankers and college-educated and rich or the elite. We workers of all income levels are capitalists, too. Every time we save and invest, buy a stock, fix a machine, or start a business, in fact, it's a small business that creates most of the jobs in the, today's economy, and the risk-taking heroes who create those small businesses couldn't do it without capital that comes from savings, their own, and that of uh, others who invest in them. And yet, we have a Labor Day in many countries, but no one celebrates Capital Day. The one thing that magnifies the importance of physical labor more than anything else might occasionally earn a footnote, but it has no holiday. You might say in response, well, we can put a face on Labor Day on labor because it's people who do it, whereas capital is faceless and can't speak for itself. So what, says Larry? Uh, well, how would you explain the holidays to which no human face is directly connected New Year's Day, Groundhog Day, Flag Day, Earth Day, Cinco de Mayo, or Halloween? Which do you think does more to lengthen and enrich our lives? Groundhogs are capital, flags are capital, or pumpkins are capital. You could walk from Miami to Seattle in four months, but you could drive there from Miami to Seattle in four days. If you wanted to salute what makes the difference between four months and four days, you'd have to tip your hat to the driver or the car. Well, in other words, the labor or the capital. At the very least, it seems only fair as well as accurate to note that working together, the car and the driver can achieve far more than either one alone. I think that's a great analogy. <clears throat> like most people and Americans, I've traditionally celebrated Labor Day on uh, labor on Labor Day weekend, not organized labor or compulsory labor unions, but the noble act of physical labor to produce the things that we want and need. Nothing is at all wrong about that. 
But this year on Labor Day weekend, I'm also thinking about the remarkable achievements of inventors of labor-saving devices, the risk-taking venture capitals who put their own money, not your tax money, on the line, and, and the fact that nobody must uh, dig a ditch with a spoon or cut the lawn with a knife. Labor Day and Capital Day, I don't know which we should have one or not the other. Happy Capital Labor Day, whenever you celebrate it. Happy Capital Day, too. Whenever we get one of the day between now and then, we should have them both. Labor Day by, us again, Larry Reed. That's a great message. You know, when you think about it, as a kid, we had a lawnmower. I was eight years old. I was out cutting grass and making money. This was capital combined with labor. That was my first lesson. Happy Labor Day. Well, former uh, President Donald Trump is urging Americans to vote for Republican candidates in November, saying the midterm election result will serve as a referendum on the Biden administration. This election is a referendum on skyrocketing inflation, rampant crime, soaring murders, crushing gas prices, millions and millions of illegal illegal aliens at our schools, he said. Now, by the way, this is at a rally on uh, September the 3rd. It was fantastic. 15,000 people packed into this uh, building. They also had a screen outside so people who couldn't get in could see what was going on. Above all, this election is a referendum on the corruption and extremism of uh, President Joe Biden and his radical Democrat Party. We'll be talking about a little bit about that more later in the show. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning Naples, Longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. 
Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, uh, creating policies and programs, among other things, to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, as we just discussed, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Good for kids of all ages, including you and I. I hope you check it out, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. So let's talk about what the uh, current global events right now, and I guess the big announcement going to be made today in England about the new leader. Right, absolutely. It's uh, coming down to one of two people, and it looks like it's going to be uh, Liz Truss, but it's not sure at the moment, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the two different people who are uh, are running are, um, are Liz Truss and, of course, uh, Rishai Sunak. Rishai Sunak has been the, uh, the uh, finance minister, and she's been the foreign minister. So Now, we keep in mind, this is a decision by the Conservative Party. These people are not going to be elected you know, by the people of England, which is in itself a problem. In other words, the next prime minister for an unknown period of time will be someone who is not elected mm-hmm. by the people, who is just appointed basically by the party, which in and of itself is always a problem. Right. Uh, so That's somewhat uh, that's, an anomaly. That's sort of, How did that happen? Is it? Uh... Well, it's because, I mean, the reality is that in a parliamentary system that can easily happen because if a, if a party controls the parliament... The prime minister resigns or is voted out. A new government can be formed, and as long as the party, which is the Conservative Party in this case, controls the parliament, they will get enough votes to confirm him mm-hmm. or her. And um, as a result, they become the prime minister without having to go to elections to the people. Interesting. How now? Again, this is going to have to take a, a vote of confidence to to change governments, or how, how... right? The new the new government will have to receive a vote of confidence by the parliament. Um, and uh, the queen will officially, you know, give her the or him uh, the the role, so to speak, because the queen is a part of this whole this whole system. Um, so it's quite it's a bit different to say the least. But the party is the one who rules, and not necessarily the particular prime minister. Uh huh. So what kind of a uh, they had their own energy crisis in England and the, the lots of turmoil. Well, England's in lots of different troubles. I mean, Brexit has turned out to be very problematic. For England generally, and the energy crisis is much worse. And I mean, let me rephrase that: there is a true energy crisis in Europe. There is not a true energy crisis in the United States. There is not enough energy for Western Europe and England because of because of the conflict of Ukraine and the Russian oil and gas, particularly the gas situation. So there is a real energy crisis in Europe. There is not an energy crisis in the United States because there's enough 
there's enough. I mean, we can argue prices have gone up or down, but it's not an energy crisis. There isn't there isn't a problem that there isn't enough gas or oil or you know gasoline or whatever is necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a real you know turning into a real problem. Uh, the British, by the way, an interesting point at this point: the Indian economy has now passed the English economy for being the fifth largest in the world, and uh, so they've been left behind by one of their own colonies. And this is a result both of India growing and the British economy contracting, uh, partly because of Brexit, partly because of COVID. So all those things together have um, resulted in a pretty severe economic um, problem in England. Plus, there is a shortage of workers in England. I mean, it's one of these strange situations, you know, in some ways similar to the United States, yeah. where uh, there is not an issue of unemployment. And when you're worried about a most of the time when you're worried about a recession, the concern is, well, people are going to lose their jobs. There aren't, you know, there aren't jobs for people. But Britain is, has a severe shortage of, of workers as a result of Brexit, partially. And, of course, the United States has a severe shortage of workers, partly because of COVID, partly because of cutbacks in immigration. And demographics, of course, play a role everywhere well, and there's just also oh. a, a million folks, as I understand, a million folks less who are actually interested in working. They've just fallen off out of the uh, out of the equation. Well, people took early retirement, and people <laughs> are working in the gig economy, and we don't even see them, so to speak, mm-hmm. to some extent in the numbers. Uh, but the reality is, is this, look, this, we're in the situation where almost it's a worldwide shortage of workers, as strange as that is to seem. Um, and it, it, it's a, you know, of course, there's the miss. Um, Misallocation, obviously, in Africa, there are plenty of people who want to, who want jobs, but there aren't in almost the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And so we're in a strange situation at this point. Now, I understand um, that England is, is is doing its own, or at least uh, considering fracking and uh, using their own energy resources for the first time. Right, but they don't have enough energy resources. I mean, let's be honest, England does not have. Uh, I, don't, I don't really think there's any fracking, particularly in, in England. There is offshore oil, oil mm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, and also keep in mind, this, one has to keep in mind that any sort of energy resources to bring online is not something you just open the spigot and it's there. Right. It requires, you know, investment over a period of time, and, and these things take time, and there isn't a lot of time. Although, you know, Europe has done a reasonable job of filling up its um, reserves of gas, and I believe Germany and France are, are at this point ahead of schedule in filling it. But the concern is, of course, the Russians have turned off, at least for the moment, the main uh, the main spigot of gas into Europe. So um, let's hope for a warm winter. What can I say? Yeah, that's about well, that's all they've got going for them right now. Because uh, my understanding is that uh, the cost of energy is doubled, quadrupled. I'm not just exactly sure, but it's going up very quickly in Europe. Oh, absolutely, very, very much. Um, again, a, a source, sourcing for it is is more difficult. You know, for instance, it's a lot cheaper to bring in uh, gas in a pipeline from Russia than it is to bring in uh, LNG tankers from the United States or the, or uh, the Middle East or somewhere else. Right. Even if there's enough of it, it's much more expensive. Well, they've taken a lot so, of their uh, uh, nuclear power offline, as I understand it. Uh, they really uh, dying of a. a well, Germany did. Germany made a major mistake after um, after after the meltdown in Japan. I guess that was in 2011 at this point, mm-hmm. and they decided to take their nuclear plants offline. Um, France did not make that mistake. France has continued to to generate 
I think, almost two-thirds of its energy from nuclear, uh, two-thirds of electricity. Mm. But it doesn't help in heating, you know, in heating homes that are based on gas or, or oil, for instance. Right. Um, but, um, look, being dependent on Russia has turned out to be a very bad thing. Indeed, and uh, uh, this, uh, all these sanctions have, have applied to Russia really, quite frankly, have not uh, deterred Putin, and uh, he seems to become enriched as a result of the price of oil going up. Well, yes, but you know, the other side of it, of course, is the, their economy is actually hurting much more than, more than we see. Plus, we, of course, you can't trust the Russian numbers. Mm-hmm. You know, some people say, oh, they're doing much better, but that's based on Russian numbers. We never believed the Russian numbers before. Why are we suddenly believing Russian numbers now in the middle of a war? Yeah, good point. I mean, I've never seen so many people lie so much as the Russians do. So, you know, flat out relying about what's going on and certainly look, think about think about the whole time up to the Ukrainian invasion and the lies they were being, they were told, repeat, they were stating repeatedly, repeatedly. Mm-hmm. So you can't trust anything they say at this point. Mark, now's a good time to uh, take a little break in the show. Can you stick around? Absolutely. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you have questions about your retirement, Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. We continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, again, the founder and publisher of a terrific website, historycentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Uh, so let's move to the Ukraine war. Uh, what's the update there? Okay, so um, the, 
the Ukrainians have moved to the offense, slowly but surely, both in the Kursan area and in other parts that the Russians conquered. It seems they're being successful very slowly but surely in pushing back the Russians and retaking a number of their towns and villages that were conquered. Uh, It's going to be a slow slog unless the Russians suddenly fall apart, and that's a real real possibility. Hmm. Um, And um, we'll see how that goes. Um, But it looks good (coughs) for the meantime, Um, and um, we'll have to see. you know, the Ukrainians keep on fighting very well and hard, and they're using a lot of American technology these days. And um, compared to the Russian technology, it's doing quite well, let's put it that way. Yeah, so uh, um, maybe we can amplify the point that you made about uh, Russia right now and uh, what we don't know about the economy. I mean, where do they stand with regard to be able to fund this war? Well, look, they they have certainly been getting money in terms of oil revenue in terms of funding the war i mean look the russians have um, huge amounts of gold reserves i mean they can fund the war for a long time based on their reserves mm. the question is can their economy maintain this the situation and that's a big question their economy is of course being hurt by the sanctions i'm sure for critical things they're getting around the sanctions the same way the iranians get around the sanctions and that you know if it's a critical component they need for their war effort I'm sure they find a way through straw companies and whatever to get it. But generally for the economy, for the day-to-day production of products, it's a real problem. They've lost access to semiconductors, which, of course, are critical for almost everything. And the Russians do not produce their own semiconductors. Yeah. So uh, the economy is is hurting, but it's not going to stop Putin from getting his dream or trying to get his dream. Of course, what's going to happen if his dream – I mean, his dream is already turned into a nightmare, let's be be honest. Yeah. Everything he planned during this war has gone gone south, and he's made minimum progress after six months of of warfare, and his army has proved less than capable. And the fact of the matter is, it seems that on a on the battlefield locally, the Ukrainians now seem to have tactical air advantage. And if you wanted if you wanted to tell somebody that six months into a war with Russia, the Ukrainians would even have an air force still, people would tell you you're crazy. Yeah. Um, but the reality is they're, they've managed to maintain an air force, and, and some areas literally um, have control of the skies, and that's really hard to believe. So does, uh, does, or does uh, Putin have the support of the Russian people, or does that matter? It doesn't really matter. He seems to have support of the Russian people, but again, they're told lies. I mean, there is, you know, there is no independent news source in Russia at the moment. Mm-hmm. Every independent news source was closed down, people were arrested, and they flew, you know, they... They flew. They left Russia and came to the to the West. Some of them are broadcasting from from Eastern Europe into Russia, but it's not at all clear how many people can get those broadcasts. Or how many people do? Mm-hmm. Um, people tend to believe that what they hear, and um, you know the Russian TV is very very well done. It looks very professional, and they couldn't be telling lies, could they? <laughs> not a chance. What you see on the television must be true. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That's so interesting. Well, of course, you could prove that here. So uh, let's let's move the uh, for now on Saturday. They decided to postpone again the the uh, moon mission that was supposed to uh, to leave on, I think, it was Saturday afternoon. I just want to get your thoughts about what's happening uh, with right. Regard. So I mean, look, let's look at the overall <laughs> thoughts. I mean, I'm a big supporter of NASA, and I'm a really big supporter of exploration of space. Mm-hmm. 
But this whole thing has been a bit of a fiasco. In 2010, Boeing received a, a contract. They promised to have a moon uh, moon landing by within six years, and I think they got a $9 billion contract to do it. Hmm. Well, it's been more than six years, to say the least, and so far it hasn't gotten off the, off the ground. This goes together with the fact that their, um, their spacecraft um, has also failed a number of times, and they, they've had a... Uh, they, the one that was going to compete with the SpaceX has failed. Um, and so the reality is what, what they did was they, re, they reused um, technology basically from uh, the space shuttle period, and they said we can use, reuse that technology and we'll get it done faster and cheaper. Well, guess what? It's not faster, it's not cheaper, and re, reusing old technology doesn't really get you very far. The yeah. idea is to invent new technology. That was the beauty of NASA is that they invented new technologies and moved moved, moved the needle. I think it, it relates to two larger problems that we need to think about. Mm-hmm. One, of course, is Boeing. And Boeing, about <coughs> 10 years ago, ceased, becoming, ceased being an engineering-driven uh, company and became a financial company. Part of that was uh, the financial people took over. For a while, they moved their, their offices from Seattle to, which was where their, their Aviation production or main production was to um, to Chicago. I think they're just moving it again. But the reality is, it's lost its focus, and of course, it became a large conglomerate. Mm-hmm. And today, there are only two people making, you know, any sort of airframes in the United States and for military and anything else, and that's Boeing and Lockheed. Mm-hmm. And that just is not a very healthy situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, thank God for in terms of the American space program <coughs> for SpaceX. Right. The reality is I don't know how many launches they I think they've done 100 launches in the last, this year so far. And they've made it routine. And without that, we would have no way with with our current relations with the Russians to get into space. So based on uh, the uh, the commitment that, for example, private companies, including um, uh, Elon Musk, and uh, should uh, NASA be competing with private enterprise? Well, you have to look at it this way. I mean, in some senses... They're not competing in the sense that they've actually now um, contracted with Elon Musk's company for for various launches going forward, and it shouldn't be a competition in the sense that look look NASA doesn't build its own spacecraft, mm-hmm. it doesn't build the rockets. The rockets are built by Boeing, mm-hmm. so there isn't that sort of competition on on that level. I mean, I think there's a role for government in terms of an overall direction of a space program. Um, I think it's fine for private companies to compete with NASA on one level and yet be a major contractor on the other. I think what we really are seeing here is the fact that young and nimble companies tend to do a lot better. And, um, you know, Musk's company has really reinvented technology in terms of the rockets. I mean, I'm sure any of your listeners who have watched the rocket come come down to Earth and land, you know, it's an amazing thing. It's something we saw in science fiction years ago. And he's brought it to life. So uh, there is a role for NASA. There's a role for the U.S. government to determine what the overall goals and policies of a of a space program should be, and it shouldn't be left only to you know private enterprise. Because whatever you know, Elon Musk might decide to do may be good, may not be good. But I think the government should be deciding what the overall goals are. Yeah. However. You know, you need to use the right companies in order to do it, and I think clearly Boeing's day has come and gone. I'm sorry to say, yeah, or it needs to you know, reinvent itself. 
Yeah, very interesting. Again, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. I do encourage you to visit a very robust multimedia website, HistoryCentral.com. Good for kids of all ages, including you and I. Mark, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, Bob. You as well. Thank you, and happy Labor Day. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden, my wife. She's always so well-informed about everything that's going on. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden, my wife and also author of Greetings from Paradise. At least she hasn't published that now in maybe a year, but uh, I, a lot of people... Former, it's done. It's done. You know, <laughs> Officially, you found out today, it's, it's all done. <laughs> So, hey, I, I was hoping we could comment a little bit about uh, the rally that uh, President Trump held. Wasn't that the best? In Pennsylvania. He was on fire. Now, mind you, this is after his home has been raided Mar-a-Lago. This is after the speech, or the hate-filled the speech, speech. from hell? From uh, <laughs> Joe Biden and uh, Donald Trump, again, full of effervescence, enthusiasm, excitement about the movement. You know what? It was presidential. It was. I mean, it, it was presidential. Joe Biden... Um, Congratulations to Joe Biden. He's been touted as having given um, the most divisive, angry speech of any president in history. And and it was just hateful. It looked like it was um, uh, 
born in Nazism with all that red and and, and with the Marines standing back there was just yeah you know you can't do that yeah the, uh, just the, he is he has no leadership skills whatsoever none he has no influence over the American people so he's he he well, is except a fear. for the guy with the bullhorn outside saying yeah. f Joe Biden yeah. as, which was awesome <laughs> yeah now this he couldn't fill an auditorium. And uh, Donald Trump had 15,000 people packed into this uh, location. To the rafters. To the rafters. And people outside with a special screen so they could watch it because they couldn't get in. And the people were yelling at him, don't go, after he gave a two-hour speech. Yeah. They love him. Yeah. And and they were yelling they love him. And uh, Trump won, Trump won. I mean, it was just... And you know what? The left... Just it scares them to death, right? Well, you know, there's no quitting Donald Trump. I mean, he's he will persist, and I suspect that even if he is, they, they put some sort of sham charges on him and try and uh, take him to trial. I have a sense that uh, he will be nominated as the uh, candidate for the Republican Party, and even if they figure out some way to convict him, he'll end up serving uh, as president from jail. Sebastian Gorka said yesterday on social media that they don't think that. And plus what I found out yesterday from Paul Sperry, who was just a great go-to piece. The, the FBI doctored stuff. What they showed in that picture was just stuff that they put in. Right. There were empty folders in it. But Sebastian Gorka said yesterday that um, he doesn't think that um, they have the wherewithal to indict um, Trump. Of course, they have. They could. Uh, somebody says they could indict a ham sandwich. Yeah. But... Um, he thinks that they'll they'll try to indict people around him, like Cash Patel or, or people like that. Yeah. So I'm, it it's it's just very it's it's real drama. And you know what was so something's up, something something's going to happen because the way Trump did that speech on uh, Saturday night, he he orchestrates this whole thing from the music coming in, going out, and he did something on Saturday night that he's never done before in all of his rallies. He had music playing in the background, um, and the song I'd never heard it before, but it was uh, entitled "Where uh, Where We Go, One We Go All," hmm. and everybody commented on it. It was just so powerful; um, it just made the whole um, the whole stadium. Well, so, what was it? What What is the? What do you think the meaning of that song is when it, when it comes? Well, to well, I, I mean, we could go off on that, and it would be. Um, total conspiracy theories but but everything that i've read um about donald trump since he first um came down that golden escalator it's all about this this theory that's going on and like i've told you everything i've read that i thought was a conspiracy theory has come true Mm -hmm. it's the creepiest thing but i'm telling you things are going to be happening i mean just just about the the uh, Pope calling in all the money into the Vatican Bank from all the entities. Yeah, what's all, going on with that? All, all this, well, it's the Vatican Bank has been known to be uh, a prime target for money laundering for for years and years. The Rockefellers, the the Rothschilds, all these all these people are associated with the Vatican. And I thought, what? That's crazy. But you know what? Hmm. It's all coming out to be true. Well, I thought the president was just absolutely fantastic, uh, and uh, I think his his uh, message was measured. He called he called it like he saw it. In other words, uh, he, can you believe that the FBI actually searched his son's room 
and, and left it disheveled, of course. But what were they looking for in his? You know what? I, I've told you this before, and I probably mentioned it here on, on your show, but something is um, something that these people did that Donald Trump, he is... He is Angry about it. Very. And, and one was that Adam Schiff, when they were doing that Russia, Russia, Russia garbage cooked up that rush rush which by the way the FBI was was involved in too right um, was when uh, uh, Adam Schiff said on all these networks we're gonna have Donald Trump jr. go to prison and that's you can tell when you hear um, President Trump talk about it he is angry to the core yeah and now that they that they went through Barron's his 16 year old son's uh, room and just through everything, I mean, he was very guarded about what he said, mm-hmm. but you could tell that they just went through it like crazy. So probably, and so he's he's angry. If I were the left, mm-hmm. I'd be terrified. <laughs> well, and then they're all of course they're trying to play the police state, and they're trying to somehow threaten the American people, like MAGA. MAGA is our uh, well, just ultra like, extremists, right. and just like Trump said. What on earth is wrong with making America great again? Yeah. They're targeting MAGA like it's some sort of insect, some sort of horrible monster. And they, and they refer to the people as being angry, aggressive, uh, uh, being uh, uh, violent. Nothing could be further from the they truth. They were dancing at that rally. You they know what? Dancing, when it, doing the wave. You see uh, so much happiness and excitement uh, in the presence of President Donald Trump. It's because people know that, hey, he's for us. He wants to support us. He wants to bring power back to the people. He wants to return America and take it away from the political elite and put it in the hands of the people where it belongs. And people like that message. And they, you know, they uh, obviously they, they like what was going on when he was president a lot more than they like what's going on right now. Well, I mean, the, the globalists are in charge right now, and that and their and their puppet uh, Joe Biden. I mean, it's it was all it was all the perfect plan. I mean, they. This whole plan that they had was speeded up because Donald Trump won. Yeah. If Hillary had won, um, that Donald Trump threw a major wrench in, in, in their machinery about, about everything that they had planned. I mean, if you go back in time about the... Um, oh, my goodness, we could go back to um, where the FDA and Tony Fauci and all these people were involved with the swine flu and, and, and all of this and how they're trying to inject people all the time with with um, weird vaccines. Um, these globalists, uh, they're trying to kill people. I mean, they, they, they want the, the population of the world to go down. And, and call me or anybody else crazy for, for talking about that. But it's the truth. Oh, you know, my goodness. Did you see, I read this morning, I wish I'd saved the story, uh, the, uh, uh, India. In India, they are bringing charges against Bill Gates for ver- for the exact thing you're talking about right now. Well, not only that, but this 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 wonderful guy who I follow on social media, um, and I can't pronounce his name. Sadly, it's I think it's Reinhardt. Let's call him Bill Smith. No, no yeah. Well, I, <laughs> but but he's an attorney both in the United States and in Germany. Oh yes, I know. I know who you're speaking of. Yeah. Uh, fuel, fuel. Yeah. Anyway, he's on Rumble all the time, and and I I started to watch a video uh, of him yesterday. I'm going to look it up further about um, 
He's bringing he's bringing uh, charges against for for violation of the Nuremberg Code. Is exactly. He, yeah. That's exactly right because he says he said in this little clip, you people have to wake up. They are trying to kill you. Yeah. And and uh, with with these and and now that I know we we're talking about the rally, but now they're they've created all of these vaccines, new vaccines coming up this fall. They've already bought enough. For all of the population of the United States, for this new "quote unquote," nobody's um, going to take that stuff. Variant, but this is for a, a a virus. Yeah, that is that is less likely to kill than the regular flu, and people forget that they've got these. They've less got these, likely to kill than the vaccine itself. Right. Linda, we need to take a little break. Can you stick oh, around? Sure. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform, and you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website choicesocial.us. We'll continue the conversation here with Linda Harden. Again, Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Up on this vacation day. Yeah, I forgot to pot up your microphone. So. Oh. <laughs> In any event. Uh, Am I on now? Yeah, you're on. <laughs> but, you know, uh, I forgot to mention that the Trump's rally was for the benefit of uh, uh, Oz, Dr. Dr. Oz. Oz and Dr. and, and uh, Colonel Doug Mastriano, who's a 30-year Army veteran, and he's a, got a Ph.D. in history, and he's he's 
this big guy with a big voice. Uh, running for governor. Running for governor, and he's running on no money. And he's, and he's beating the pants off of his competitor who's being financed by George Soros and all those other people. I'm going to tell you, and of course, Oz is running against this guy that lives in his parents' basement still. He, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, but that guy. He is a loser. Well, he looks like Lucifer. Yeah. He's the scariest looking. And, and by the way, he's got two convicted murderers on his team. The guy wants to let out all the people out of jail. He's got two murderers on his on his election team, on wow. his campaign team. The guy is just and he won't debate because oh I had a stroke. Okay, fine. So how can you how can you serve the people of, of Pennsylvania when you had when you're incapacitated? Give yeah. me a break. Anyhow, I just want to point out the fact that uh, Donald Trump has made such a difference when he goes uh, supports people. Uh, Carrie Lake, for example, in, in Arizona, and so many candidates. He's something like 150, 160, 70 uh, people that he supported and endorsed. Those won their elections, their primary elections, against, I think, about 10 that didn't. He's got a great, great record. You know, I was listening to, before Trump's rally on Saturday, Real America's Voice, Ben Burkwam, who's just such a great, he's such a great guy um, on Real America's Voice. If anybody is on social media, should follow him because he is just, he's hes a good Christian young man and he's down on the border all the time watching all the mayhem that's going on down there. But he was talking to the people outside the rally on on uh, Saturday and um, it was it gave me goosebumps because these people are coming up to say uh, that they watch Steve Bannon's show Four hours a day, we never miss you. We're going to take this country back, and, and they've all become precinct uh, committee people and, and captains. Yeah, captains. It's, have, it's have so the, cool. How about the the Chinese woman who's had a very broken English accent, but she said, "I I always watch Steve Bannon, and he's here to give us liberty." And he said, he, "She said, she says, I love you, Steve Bannon. You are a true patriot." In her broken English, and she says, "I watch you four hours a day." And I'm one of the war room posse. Yeah. It was so cute; it brought tears to my eyes. She, he's, he, um, she thanked him for everything he's done, and and she wasn't the only one. All these people were out saying um, that Steve Bannon has, has helped to to bring them around. I'm telling you, people, if if you want to get engaged seriously, watch Bannon's war room pan- pandemic. You can find it on Rumble. You can find it on Real America's Voice app. Um, all these uh, all these sites are free, um, and you can also go to warroom.org and get all of his all of his podcasts, all of his shows. Uh, yeah. He is so great, and yeah. he's got he's got over three hundred million downloads on his podcast. He's reached yeah. millions. <clears throat> Plus, I, I think he basically breaks news first in so many different ways. Yeah. He he connects the dots and helps you to see where things are uh, going and where they're coming from. Uh, and better than just about any news show that I've seen. Uh, exactly, and he's got the best guests. And even though he interrupts them a lot, but but you know he's so knowledgeable. Yeah. And and he's he's just so smart. Sadly, uh, the left is trying to shut him down. Is trying to shut uh, that little dynamo, Marjorie Taylor Greene. They they're trying to kill these people. They have been swatted. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene has been swatted four times. Steve Bannon, while he was on the air on Saturday, they were swatting his house. And to define swatting mm-hmm. is when some idiot, some some deranged, uh, yeah, deranged human being calls a nine one one 
into authorities saying, "Oh, there's a shooting. There's someone with a with a, a gun at such and such a house." That would be Steve such and such. A, that would be Steve Bannon's or, or, or Marjorie Marjor Taylor Greens. And and so the SWAT team comes with guns drawn, and and they're trying to get these people murdered by cop. Yeah, it's just sick. It is sick indeed. That's on. And they say. And oh, by the way, that's because Joe Biden is such a, a is such a president of unity and peace, and he wants to bring everybody together. What a joke. It is indeed. Linda, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Are we done? Are we? Are we well, we're going to wind it up here. But do uh, you have anything else that you want to say? Well, I just, you know, I'm just so inspired by all these, all these candidates that are winning these elections yep. on no money. And, and the, the left is just absolutely infuriated because uh, the people have... Have been awakened. Yeah, I mean, uh, Liz Cheney, she had a war chest of $30 million against the woman that she was running against, and she got lost by 40 points. So it's not just money, is it? It, mm, it comes no. down to message as well. People are waking up. Absolutely. Linda, thank you so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. All right, well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. On tomorrow, we're going to visit with Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator. Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be with us as well. Jim McTagg, usually a guest on Monday, will be with us tomorrow. He's former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. And Nathan Kunin will be talking about education in America. I hope you make it a great Labor Day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>